Our guest today, a uh, very special dear friend of mine, I met him in seminary way back when we both had a full head of hair uh, back then. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, but uh, we, uh, we met in seminary, and since that time, uh, him and his wife, uh, they had moved to Croatia. We began supporting them. They moved to Croatia, and now he's got a bunch of uh, kids. Your kids are old. Like, They're I don't old. know, so you must be old, uh, too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, his kids are the same age as my kids. That's a weird thing. Uh, but we uh, praise God for our relationship with Todd and Lynn. Uh, they've been serving uh, in Croatia for how many years now? 20 years. Tw 20 years? We're old. Yeah. That's a math problem, isn't it? Uh, so uh, I'm going to ask Todd to come, and I want to encourage you to listen. Uh, he is out on the field. He is dealing with real people in a different country. Most of us haven't been to Croatia, uh, and uh, he's going to tell us all about it, and I encourage us in the Lord. Come ahead, Tom. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, I need to tell you guys that um, you're the first church that ever started supporting us. Kevin told me about Bear Valley and said it was the best-kept secret he knew of, and he brought me up here, met with the missions team, and you just began to faithfully support us, and for 20 years, You've been completely faithful and very generous, and I just want to thank you for that. Uh, Lynn and I went to Croatia, just the two of us, and uh, we, our children were born there. My son, Seth, is about to be 19, and he's studying at a university in Zagreb in the capital of Croatia. My daughter, Abigail, is 17, and she is finishing her junior year of high school in New Hampshire. My wife and youngest daughter, who is just almost 16, are in St. Louis visiting family because we're on furlough. And it began on Thursday night as we showed up uh, at LAX, or I showed up at LAX. My wife and daughter are in St. Louis. And so we're going to hit 12 churches, 12 Sundays, 8 states, and we're going to be back in Croatia by the 1st of May. <laughs> so, but I got to live without my wife for a month, and that's, it's not hard for her, but it's almost impossible for me. So uh, pray for me as we uh, endure these things. But it's all a, a privilege and truly, I you know everybody says it's a privilege, it's a pleasure to be here. It really is. The songs we sang were just, wow, glorifying to God. Thank you for the musicians. Thank you for the words of the songs we sang. And I am happy to be here. So the question is always, you know, what will I speak about? What, I, what should I tell you? Because I'm really passionate about Croatia. We're, we're 20 years there, and I know this may seem anathema to fellow Americans, but I see myself as a Croatian. I, I think that way. I live that way. I, uh, we're immersed in that culture, and I love, love, love that country. So I'm very passionate about what the Lord's doing. And so my question is, you know, what do I tell you? Because if I told you all the things I wanted to tell you, we would finish sometime Friday afternoon, I think. So I can't do that. But I thought maybe to tell you something that perhaps is a little unique, and maybe you've not ever thought about it. Uh, did you guys do something special for the 500 years of Reformation? Okay, we're going to do it now. <laughs> um, we, 500 years ago was the Reformation, beginning with Luther and the other Reformers, and uh, that was in celebrated October 31st when he nailed his thesis to the Wittenberg door. And I'm thinking about that. So I was asked to do a seminar on the significance of the Reformation, and that's frankly seemingly impossible for me. How can you get a summary? How can you give the significance of the Reformation? But as I thought about it, 
There was a slogan in the Reformation that I think is really powerful, and it's the very thing that I hold on to every day of my life. The Latin phrase is post tenebras lux, or lux. You guys know what that means? Who can tell me what that means? Somebody. After darkness, light. What a wonderful phrase that is. After darkness, light. And that is the prayer for Croatia. Because you may not know this. If you know where, surely we, well, maybe you know where Croatia is, maybe you don't. If you picture the boot of Italy, Adriatic Sea, we're just across the Adriatic Sea from Italy. And the Reformation didn't come to Croatia. It hit it very in sporadically, very sparsely in a few areas, but the Counter-Reformation of Rome extinguished that light. So we never got, after darkness, light. Never saw the light. And, you know, I don't want to be dramatic here, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring that light that we just sang about to Croatia. And if you think about it, this is kind of strange. I actually get the privilege of, have the privilege of serving in a, pre-Reformation country in Europe, which is unique and, and, and exciting, but very challenging. So I want to talk to you a little bit about post-tenebrous looks after the darkness light, what that means so that you can pray for us. But also, I think this is going to encourage you and it could challenge you today. All right. So be prepared for both. And um, I got to go fair, rather quickly through this because I love to talk. So we're going to move kind of rapidly, I hope. What I want to do is kind of put into perspective what we do so that you can see what that looks like to be pre-Reformation. Um, certainly what Luther and the other reformers went through, I'm not trying to compare what we do to them, but there are some similarities. I want to highlight those, and I think that um, maybe you will understand the challenges of even the people you minister to here in Bear Valley, Tehachapi, in Southern California. And I think it's important that we understand that. So when we start thinking about the obstacles that Luther hit, that Zwingli hit, that Calvin hit, or any reformer hit as they were living out their lives, I think the first obstacle, and we're just going to run through several obstacles, would be darkness. <laughs> we got to start there, if that's our phrase, after darkness, light, darkness. Just think about that for a moment. Luther was the only guy that he knew of, that was saved. It's a priest. Catholicism, and just so you know, I didn't mention that, Croatia is a Catholic country, and I kind of think that we're more Catholic than Italy, probably about as Catholic as Poland. We are very religious. Uh, Catholicism runs the country. The politics, the mafia, the every aspect of life the Catholic Church runs. And that was the time of Luther. There was no thought outside of Catholicism. In Croatia, there's no thought outside of Catholicism. You can't picture your family, your school, your, your, your food, your, your home. You can't picture anything outside of the realm of Catholicism, and that's what they were, uh, Luther was in. And he was trying to, to figure out what the Bible is talking about, how he can obtain forgiveness from sin. And Paul describes this in Ephesians 5, 8, that says a very strange thing. Paul says, for at one time you were darkness. Now, don't you find that kind of strange? Wouldn't you think he was going to say, and one time you were in darkness? That's not what he says. He says, one time you were darkness. That was all of us, right? As Luther... Croatia, 
at Southern California, you were darkness. Now, certainly, people without Christ are in darkness. So what you have is this darkness encased in a dungeon of darkness, chained with chains of darkness, blind, dead. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the dark one, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We are darkness. We're in darkness, chained in darkness. No light can penetrate. No light can come. And then whenever there's a religion that wants to bring shade where there's darkness to make it more dark, there's no hope. That's the first obstacle. It's the obstacle for you. It's the obstacle for us. We're talking every day with people at work and people in school, people on the street, people in our neighborhood, and they're not just in darkness. They are darkness. They're looking at us with blind eyes, with dead eyes, saying, I understand the word you're saying, but I don't even get what you're about. Because it's all dead. It's all dark. Can you imagine that day that Luther or anybody that was in that Reformation time, they're incapable of thinking. We sang a song, Wisdom Unimagined. <laughs> Didn't even think about wisdom. He's conscious of his unrighteousness, cognizant of the terror that awaits all sinners, a darkness that is palpable, desperate to find the path to righteousness in his pain and labor, not finding one friend, not finding one true brother or sister who could explain the gospel. And that's, Croatia, there are villages, there are towns where there are maybe one Christian, no Christian. Somebody gets saved. They go to this dark village, go to this dark home. They have no comfort, no encouragement, no church like this that they can come and have the comfort of other believers. Darkness. And all of a sudden in that, the light bright of God breaks through. The Father chose him. The Son died for him. The Spirit of God illuminated his darkness, revealed the glory of the cross, gave him relief of forgiveness, gave him an alien righteousness that comes from God. He, gave, he received the hope of heaven, abundant eternal life in Christ, and it all rushed upon Luther in such a way that it was, of course it was miraculous, but it was life-changing. A priest in the Catholic Church is now a child of God. That's the light that we want to see. After the darkness, light. Pray for Croatia. Pray that this light will come. Pray for Tehachapi. Pray for Bear Valley. Pray for California. That light will come, and it's only going to come through Jesus Christ and through his word. So the first and fundamental roadblock, the obstacle, the evil giant that, preserve, that, that enslaves men in their sin, the most powerful weapon, the insurmountable mountain, the uncrossable river, the absence of light in the hearts of men. So there's the first step of wanting to be a missionary in Croatia or a missionary in your neighborhood or whatever we want to say, it's dark. Secondly, in Croatia, in Europe during the time of the Reformation, there was no truth. Romans 1.16, Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? The gospel is what is the story of God and Christ and the word of God. Why is he not ashamed? Because he knows it is, this is what he says, the power of God for salvation to everyone believes. Now, that's a unique, that's 
a unique problem in Croatia because through this book, holy, perfect, eternal, authoritative book, is the only way to God. What do you, a couple of times in Proverbs, Solomon says, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof leads to death, right? Utter and eternal darkness. You know what? If you ever thought about that verse, you know what that verse means? Everybody that's on the wrong path are 100% sure they're on the right path. Do you know what that also means? There could be somebody in this room right now, without a shadow of a doubt, you are as confident as anybody you're walking the right path. You are 100% sure you're on the right path, even in this room. But you're not. That's the deception of darkness. And that's why you got to have the Word of God. And you know what they do in Croatia? You, you can't read this book. Nobody, nobody, these are very, very religious people, and maybe a handful of Croatians, we're talking about the Catholics, have a Bible. And if they do, it's like a talisman, a good luck charm. It's up on the uh, shelf collecting dust. They'll never open it. They'll never read it because the priest tells them they can't understand it. In fact, forbids them, forbids them. They say this, this to me. My priest forbids me from reading this book. So it's just a good luck charm. And the point is, isn't that, isn't that a tragic, evil irony? The very thing that could lead them off the wrong path and give them light, the very thing in some, very few, it's homes, it's sitting on the shelf, and they worship it as a talisman and won't open it and read it and find the truth of God. So there's, first of all, darkness, enslaved in darkness, blinded by darkness. Secondly, the very hope, the very hope that they would have, they'll never read because the religion forbids it. Now, are you beginning to see it's kind of hard to minister in a country where not only are they dark, but they're never going to read the very thing that can give them life. So there's the second obstacle. So now we're starting to see this big wall being built, right? Secondly, the fear of the Catholic Church. You know, the Bible says that what does the love of God do? It casts out what? All fear, right? But there, fear pervades them. So darkness, enslaved in darkness, the truth so tantalizingly close, yet not with them, and never going to open it, and then to make matters worse, that darkness is enhanced by fear, the fear of the Catholic Church. Now, I want to start telling you a few little stories of our life in Croatia, not trying to romanticize it, dramatize it, or make it glamorous, or, and I hope, by God's grace, I, I'm prone to, I'm not going to use the word exaggeration, I'm going to say hyperbole. I'm prone to hyperbole. And because I'm a passionate guy, emotional guy, I kind of like to emphasize, and in my zeal to emphasize, I'm a border on hyperbole. But I don't want to do that today. I want to give you the objective truth. When we first moved to Croatia 20 years ago, we went to a village, and my neighbor, his name is Branko, and the guy's John Wayne of the whole village. And uh, he's a guy, fearless, capable. You get Branko in his tractor, he'll do anything you need, whatever you need. He'll fix your car, he'll butcher your pig, he'll plant your field, he'll harvest your crops, he'll make your wine. Whatever you need him to do, this guy can do. And if you have a problem, you go to this guy. Well, he was my neighbor, so I was kind of proud of this. You know, John Wayne is my neighbor. And uh, we were there just a few weeks, and he comes to the house, and, you know, I couldn't speak Croatian, he can't speak English, and his son could say a few words in English. He comes to my door, and the guy is scared. I mean, we're talking like pale, shaking, 
And they're speaking so rapidly. I'm thinking, what is going on? What could cause this man to be afraid? And, and I hear, call Mishko. Mishko is the foreign national, the Croatian national who invited us there. And they said, call Mishko. So I call Mishko. Mishko comes to the village. And they're just talking, you know, 200 miles an hour. I, of course, I can't follow anything. I'm just watching it. Very animated. Fear. Mishko trying to calm him. Fear. Mishko trying to calm him. And explodes. So after it's over, I asked Mishko, I said, what's going on? He says, well, the priest found out he rented his home to you. And the priest comes and says, I'm, or tells him, I'm coming for a visit. I said, okay, and? He goes, no, that's it. I said, what? Now, that was 20 years ago. Now I kind of get it. I'm beginning to get it. I said, but Mishko, he's just coming for a visit. What, what can he do? And I'll never forget, Mishko came about this close to my face and looks at me and says, he hold, the priest holds his eternal life in his hands. Do you not get this? That man holds his eternal life, has all control, all power. He, he deems who will be forgiven. He deems who is worthy for heaven. He deems who is going to be saved. And now he's coming, for, it's, it's as if, now I'm not trying to be blasphemous, God in his fury, and in his judgment, is coming to visit you at your house. Would you be afraid? He was terrified. And I'm, that's, I gave you one story. Believe me, believe me, with all my heart, I'm telling you, that fear is in the life of every, without exception, every Croatian Catholic who believes in the Catholic Church. Darkness envelops in darkness. No truth. The very thing they can say, they don't have. And then there's a fear that drives them to their knees. That, le that leaves, that they tremble because the God of fury in their religion lives in their village. Secondly, fear of loss. This is a funny story. Funny in one way, sad in another. We have some friends, uh, they're on our team. They, they came with us 20 years ago. Walter and Sonia Heaton, do you remember Walter? So, they're, they've had seven kids, and that's just not enough, so they're going to adopt some more. So they want to adopt a Croatian girl. Well, in order to do that, you have to go to these parenting classes. So they came to my county for, I don't know why, because they live about two hours away from us. I think it was easier or, or something. They came over to my county, and the guy's teaching parenting classes. Okay, i got to preface this by saying this. They don't think of Protestant and Catholics. They think of the true church and a cult, and the cult is called Baptists, Okay. So if you're a Baptist, you're the cult, all right? So the guy is talking, and he's saying, okay, now you are going to adopt. These kids are going to be in their teenage years. You know how silly and crazy kids get in their teenage years. And so they start experimenting. But in this experimentation, they can do very dangerous, dangerous things. So as parents, you have to be very conscious of this and, and watch. Those are those years where they, they, they take drugs. They, they experiment with sex. They start attending the Baptist church. What? And that's what he said. And that's what they think of. So drugs, suicide, illicit sex, Baptist church. That's all on the same level. There's a fear of loss because we are a cult. There's another. And I'm just giving you one example. I'm telling you this happens countless, countless times. Kevin, can I just ask you, what time is this over? No, come on. 
Here we go. So uh, I'm giving you one example, but this happens all the time. Uh, I had a guy named Tomislav. He's talking to me one time, and I'm telling him the gospel. He said, Todd, I believe what you say. I think what you're saying is true, but I can't do it. I said, why not? Why can you not put your faith in Christ? He says, because I don't want to lose my family. And that happens every time. It can happen in varying degrees. Oftentimes, many people are kicked out of their house. They lose their jobs. They're, made, they're, they're ostracized in every aspect of their lives because to be Croatian is to be Catholic. To be Catholic is to be Croatian. It, 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 it permeates the culture. Everything about it is Catholicism. And so if you leave, it's over. You lose everything. The church that I attend now, uh, they're, they're known for their music. And, and years ago, when people in, in Croatia get baptized, they, white, they wear white robes. And there's a river ten, six miles away from this church, and they would have a band, and they would march the band and the people in their white robes through all these villages singing, saying, I renounce this world. And, but when they say that, they renounce the world. They lose everything. Many are kicked out. Not everybody. Let's go on. It's not just fear of loss. Let's describe this loss. There's a fear of persecution. There's a little girl that came to summer camp this year with us. It's my daughter's best friend. She's 15 years old. She says, I want to attend the Baptist church. Parents said, no, you can't. And then she persists. They start beating her. They beat her at least several times a week just to show her that she can't do this. I hesitate to say this, but some fathers violate their daughters to shame them in order to show them the shame that they would bring on their family if they went to a Baptist church. Beatings, all this, and you say, well, why don't you call the police? This girl's mother is a police officer. There's no, there's no help. You just have to sit back and know what happened. What can I, you, there's literally nothing you can do. Um, I, okay, I wrote these names down. I'm telling you this happens all the time. Girls are violated. Wives are beaten. A wife goes and sings these wonderful songs, li listens to, to preaching, fellowships with the believers, goes to a village where she's the only believer in the entire village, walks in the house, husband beats her, and she cries in her bed. There's the Christian life. Nice. But she, oh, she has the hope of heaven, right? It's hard to understand, isn't it? How about the stigma of shame to follow Christ? I want you to imagine something. Um, let's say down the street from where you live, uh, some foreigners move in. They can't speak English, right? And you're just thinking, why, why are these people here? And they're kind of secretive. You don't really know what they're doing. And uh, they start having these meetings in their house on Friday nights. And you know something's going on. And then a few other Americans start going. And they start attending this place. But these Americans are really kind of the losers in society. They're the people who are homeless. They've been kicked out of their families. They, they, they lost their jobs. They're just, you know what, they're just not our kind of people. So you kind of say, all right, the foreigners are here. They can't speak our language. They have these meetings on Friday nights, and a few Americans go there. But you know what? It's no big deal because those are the losers. And it just kind of proves the point. It just proves the point. We don't have anything to do with them. Uh, these are the dregs of society. I'm sure that if you wanted marital advice, parenting advice, you wouldn't go to the Muslims or the Hindus or the Buddhists for enlightenment. Same way, they would never come to us because what I'm doing is describing us. Some Americans move in, have a few converts. They lose their family. They're all losers. This church loves us, and you support us. 
just know that when we're there, when we're over there, we're the losers. We're the weirdos. That's not a strong enough word. I can't think of a strong word. We're the dregs of society. We're the jokes. We're the dangerous people. We're those weirdos down the street. We are those people. Just join our church. It's ludicrous. Nobody would do it. Nobody in their right mind would come to our church, and they don't. Our first believer's baptism, as far as we know, the first believer's baptism we had in the county where we first planted the first church was the first believer's baptism in about 600 years. It was a crippled Englishman who came down to fight in the Bosnian War. Again, there's the picture of our, our converts. So, churches that have eight people in them, and they're all losers. Another obstacle. I can't even keep track. Here's just the obstacle. Spurious faith. You've seen this a million times in your life. We see it a million times in ours. You know, the parable of the soils. The cares of the world come. The... Um, things distract people and they walk away, right? They're baptized. That's the thing. Once you're baptized, that's when it's all over. You can attend a Baptist church, but once you're baptized, your life ends in society. And some of these people are even baptized, and then they walk away. And what that does, it just gives more ammo to the country of Croatia to say, see, again, losers. Because if they do get somebody good, they can't hold on to them. Spurious faith, darkness and darkness, no truth, fear of the church, fear of loss, persecution. And this is what we have to live in. I just wrote a list. I'm just going to tell you. These are the people who were baptized and have been, I was a pastor for 10 years. They were in my church. Dominic, Nana, Mladen, Maria, Robi, Goga, Spasoy, Stefan, Jelka, Trezika, Anna, Andre, Tanya, Rosanda, Ernest, and the list goes on and on. They were in our church and they left and the world gets to say, see, we're the Catholic church. We have Peter. We have the saints. We have Mary. We have the sacraments. Who do you have? Some crippled losers? How about heresies of the Catholic Church? I'm going to finish right now, very quickly. I have, I, 20 years there, I still go to Croatian school because I just want to get better all the time. So I have a teacher, her name is Bedrana, and we read together and we talk. And she's come to hear me preach a couple of times because she wants to hear how I do, you know. So one day I'm talking to Bedrana, and, and I said, I'm getting ready for this seminar in Bosnia. And she goes, well, let me hear what you're talking about. I said, could I present it to you? She goes, well, go right ahead. And we have this whiteboard. So for an hour and a half, I'm writing on the whiteboard. I'm talking about justification, sanctification, glorification, what salvation is, and all these things, explaining these terms. And then I said, do you mind if I tell you what I think you believe? She goes, go right ahead. I'd love to hear it. So I tell her what the differences are. And at the end, I'm just going to tell you this is what she said. She goes, Profesora, ja razumijem sve što si rekao. Ja pratim sve, ja znam opravdanje, posvećenje, proslavljenje, sve mi je jasno. Ali ono što ja ne mogu razumiti je, ja ne bi nikada rekla prosvećenje, ja bi rekao iskupljenje. What this means is, I understood everything you're saying. I get it. But when you say sanctification, and talking about forgiveness. It makes no sense to me. And I said, what do you mean it makes no sense to you? She goes, I've never in my life had the thought that I would ask God for forgiveness. I said, now 20 years, and I feel like I'm learning a lot about the culture. I've read books on Catholicism. I really feel like I know things. 
And I'm, I, I don't know what to say. I said, well, tell me what that means. She goes, well, I go to the priest or I, I redeem myself. That's the word she used. I redeem myself. And I know that theologically. I didn't know that experientially. And I had nothing to say. I just went home broken. And that's the country. So all of these things that conspire against salvation, the one thing, well, no, no, it's not the one thing, just a, one more thing, they would never ask God for forgiveness. Man, there's a song. It's a very, very popular song by a man named Jiboni in Croatia. It says, Mogu mi bit da je lakši umrit, nego ljudi me reč oprosti. You know what that means? It would be easier for all Croatians. He's talking about all Croatians. It would be easier for Croatians to die than to ask forgiveness. I could talk, I could talk all day about that one point. Okay, I just want you to understand, this is the life. Darkness in prison of darkness. The love of sin, a child of Satan, lies, truth. No truth, no Bible. It is verboten, it is forbidden, it is not allowed. When somebody goes to a Baptist church, their names are mentioned in the, in the mass so that it would invite the shame and persecution from all the... The priest is like an army drill sergeant. You know, punishes the whole troop and makes them go on a hike so they go and beat up the guy that didn't make his bed, right? So that's what he does in Mass. He says, this woman, by name, is going to the Baptist church. The husband is paralyzed in fear, goes home and beats the living daylights out of his wife for shaming him in Mass. Okay, I'm sorry, we got to go on. So fear of loss, fear of the church... Fear of physical persecution, stigma of shame, spurious faith, the, the fear of God in the sense that you would never come to him for, for uh, forgiveness because of that heresy. These are all the weapons of God that, God, that, that Satan throws, uh, the weapons of Satan that is thrown at everybody, okay? Now, I got to end with some good news. Why do we hope that there's going to be light after this darkness? I wanted to say really quickly, you know that story about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus? You know, he walked away unsaved. Do you know why? What were the first words? And if you look in the Greek, it's the first word he says, good, good teacher. Now, why was that wrong? Jesus says, there's no one good but, but God. Why would you call me good? Do you know what his problem was? Hey, you're a rabbi. He didn't believe Jesus was the son of a living God, the Christ. He did not believe that. He believed he was a fellow rabbi, a fellow teacher. He says, hey, you're good. I'm good. We're all good. In my mind, that's Croatia. In my mind, that's Bear Valley. In my mind, that's Tehachapi. In my mind, that's this world. You're good. I'm good. We're all good. I don't need forgiveness from God. I just need to kind of change a few things. And that's what he wanted. I just want to add eternal life because, look, I got a pretty good list here. My life's pretty good. I just need to add eternal life. And I think that's what the rich young ruler was asking Jesus. Jesus says, here, you know what you need? You need forgiveness. You need repentance. Go and sell everything you have. You need me. Follow me. He walks away. Again, darkness with no light. That's Croatia. I'm never asking forgiveness. I'm not doing this. And they walk away. And so we cry out, then who then can be saved? That's what the disciples said, right? What did Jesus say? Todd, with you, it's impossible. Kevin, with you, it's impossible. With all of you, it's impossible. But there is a God in heaven. His name is Jesus. And with him, all things are possible. What was the first sermon made, first sermon that Jesus preached? Sermon on the Mount? 
goes through this list of a description of Christians. They're poor in spirit. They recognize their need. They ask for forgiveness. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They become merciful because the righteousness of God comes in their lives. They become persecuted. He describes every true believer from the moment that they see that they're destitute in spirit to the moment that they're persecuted because they love Christ. And what does he say? Isn't this wonderful? You are light. Man, that's the point. Paul says, before that, you're not in darkness. You are darkness. Jesus says, if this has happened to you, go home and read uh, 5, 3 through 12, okay? If that's a description of your life, he says, you are not in the light. You are light. Now go live like it. That's the point. That's the light after the darkness. That's what we're striving for. That's what you've got to be striving for. But I got to talk to you today. You need to go home and read Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Compare your life with the holy word of God. And if that is a description of you, praise God, you are not becoming light. You're not going to be light someday. You're not just in the light, which you are. You are light. But if it's not, you are on the wrong path, and it's going to be really hard because you're 100% sure you're on the right path. I mean, if you heard anything I said today, hear this. If you're on the wrong path, you'll never, ever, ever think you're on the wrong path. And you are not just in darkness. You are darkness. But when you come to Christ and ask for forgiveness, he changes your life. You are light. That's the hope of Croatia. That's the hope of this region. I'll just pray for you, if that's all right. God, we thank you that we're not hopeless. We're thankful, we thank you that we're joyful, that we're full of life and full of hope and full of zeal and full of passion to tell others about Christ. I know that's what burns in our hearts to show people the light of Christ. So be with us today. Help us to be broken by the incapability of everything other than you that we go into the darkness and rescue those and bring them into the light. Give us the power, the wisdom, the energy, the desire to do those things. And if there's anybody here today that's in the darkness, I pray that they would talk to Kevin, Pastor Kevin or somebody, and find out the way to get onto the right path. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.